Today on Broadway for Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday, January 25th, <laughs> 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, tomorrow we're going to have a couple new episodes of things in this very feed. First off, Jan Simpson on StageCraft is going to talk to Charlie Yvonne Simpson, no relation, the playwright behind Ensemble Studio Theater's Behind the Sheet, which just yesterday announced an extension. It was originally set to close on February 3rd and will now play through February 10th. Um, I've heard great things about this one, so I'm excited to see uh, all, what all Jan can bring out in that conversation. Then in the afternoon, we're going to have our latest episode of On Your Way to a BFA, or On My Way to a BFA, On My Way to a BFA with Natalie Nowak. So those two episodes will be in your feeds tomorrow, uh, tomorrow in the morning and then in the afternoon. But James, here's what I really want to talk to people about today. Is anybody out there watching what I think is the greatest addition to the television canon in the history of the medium? One show on Fox called The Masked Singer. <laughs> you know, it blew up last night, didn't it, with uh, I, Poodle? I, don't, I, 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 I have the spoilers. I did not see it. I was at Hamilton. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, well, well, uh, I don't know really anything about it other than it blew up on social media. Okay, yeah, I I was a diligent fan watching the first two episodes. I think the first episode happened when I was in New York and I watched it on my phone after a show like at two in the morning because I had to watch it. It is the greatest (laughs) thing in the world. Um, It's lost a little bit for me now because I was I, I couldn't contain myself and I had to Google who everybody thought the celebrities were and now i'm sure most of them are right so that's taken a little bit for me but i love it it is so dumb and it is so funny and it is so goofy it's like exactly the thing that we need at this very moment so if you're not watching the masked singer on wednesdays on fox i recommend it it's idiotic and it'll make you dumber but it's but it's fun <laughs> uh okay Okay, there. there that go. is, uh, you know. I don't do something like a pop anymore, so I have to get these hot takes out somewhere. Uh, but, don't, uh, you know, uh, well, we we can't talk about the other thing yet, can we? Well, we, so, we well, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. Um, I, I might not do something like a pop anymore, but there might be something coming up depending on time zone issues um, with uh, Jennifer McHugh and I in this feed in the next uh, after uh, a certain live television production on Sunday night. Um, She's in Los Angeles. I'm in Florida. Time zones make things hard when you're watching network TV. But uh, Mm. we're going to figure something out and get something out very quickly about that. And we'll have more news about that as uh, as it comes, though. All right. So things we can talk about. Let's uh, start up with first first up in the news. Uh, the reviews are in for Roundabout's True West Revival. Yes. Roundabout opened the Broadway revival of Sam Shepard's True West. I was going to say latest, but now I can't remember if this is the first revival or not. But anyway, it was directed by James McDonald, who did The Children a season or so ago. It stars Ethan Hawke, Paul Dano, Mary Louise Burke, and Gary Wilmus. Um, It's a classic show about two brothers fighting it out in the West, having existential crises, sibling rivalry. And um, unfortunately, 
didn't get such great reviews. Um, I don't think anybody hated it, James, but I don't think that anybody loved the show as a whole. I think a lot of people liked one of the performers. We'll get to that. Starting off, let's go with uh, Alexis Solosky writing for The Guardian. She said, quote, if the play suggests that these men are hogtied together in some inexorable struggle, Hawk and Dano feel pretty exorable. I've never heard that used before. Um, they're both enjoying their roles, particularly as those roles rush toward breakdown. Hawk, in his post-heartthrob victory lap, takes obvious pleasure in Lee's sweaty degradation. Dano, recently a first-time director, in Austin's callow Blotto Rebellion. But unlike other true West pairs, Gary Sinise and John Malkovich, say, or John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman, they don't seem especially linked or fully or fully fully invested. If one of them left the stage and the other were forced to use the houseplants, big part of the show, as a scene partner, it might not feel that different. The performances are isolated. There are nice moments, but they're only moments. Matt Winman from AM New York gave the show two out of four stars, writing, quote, for an effective, low-cost introduction to True West, Sam Shepard's gripping 1980 drama of sibling rivalry, I recommend the 1984 television film adaptation with John Malkovich and Gary Sinise, or the 2001 audio recording by Alfred, uh, featuring Alfred Molina. Both can easily be found online and are far preferable to the, to the play's problematic new Broadway revival, which is directed by James McDonald and, stop, and stars a top form Ethan Hawke and an utterly miscast Paul Dano. Finally, because all of these reviews are pretty similar, uh, Nicole Saratori writing for the stage agreed with Wyndham, but seemed to like it a bit more, I think, saying, quote, McDonald extracts humor. And since she's writing for the stage, it's uh, H-U-M-O-U-R uh, from the play. <laughs> but the outlandish di uh, disintegration in the second act does not quite come off, in part due to Dano's reticence. His introspective approach works well in the first act, but he is less convincing as he lets loose. Hawk, however, is superb. His Lee is a lizardy con man with limited hustle who's desperately playing his only hand. Belly jutting out, covered in sweat and filth like nothing could ever wash him clean, Hawk physically digs into the role. With an obscene finger gesture or a subtle slump in his posture, he alternatively radiates helplessness, shame, innocence, and predation. So, um... I, I saw it during previews, so I don't want to give a ton of, of things other than, yeah, I agree. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, that is True West. Let's uh, move forward into yesterday's news today. In uh, Next up in the news, Colonial, <laughs> Emerson Colonial Theater announces its next Broadway-bound musical. Yeah, James, as you kind of mentioned, uh, for eagle-eared listeners out there, they already knew that this was coming because I slipped it in as a subtle uh, subliminal message yesterday uh, in the show. But yesterday it was announced that Magic Mike the Musical will play Boston's Emerson Colonial Theater in late 2019 and into 2020. The musical will feature a score... <laughs> Because, okay, uh, the musical will feature a score by Tony and Pulitzer Prize winners Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkey and a book by stage, TV, and comic book writer Alberto Aguirre Sacasa. Trip Coleman will direct and Camilla A. Brown will choreograph. I feel like the rest of it doesn't matter as long as Camilla A. Brown can figure out the, the right choreography. That's really all that's going to matter for this property. Um, casting will be announced at a later date, but they have some time because the show is scheduled to begin performances in Beantown on November 30th and will run through January 5th. Now, 
casting isn't confirmed, but the last developmental session, which happened in November, did feature Matt Doyle, Derek Klenna, Cheyenne Jackson, John Bielman, Nick Burroughs, Dylan Burnside, Heath Calvert, and Anna Viafanye. According to the press release, the musical is set before either of the two movies and follows the Channing Tatum character, Magic Mike, from the films as a college student as he takes a job dancing at an exclusive nightclub and winds up loving every minute of it. Now, James, since you are Broadway Radio's resident Magic Mike expert, what are your <laughs> thoughts about this news? Well, I hope that they get Jason Robert Brown to uh, musical direct and he can conduct and reconfirm his urban cowboy mythic legend uh, conduction skills. All right. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I look, I think I said this the other day talking about um, Alice by Heart. I, I respect Tom Kitt and everything he does in a lot of different ways. But as a composer, I just feel like it's. If you hear one score, you've heard them all. Um, so I'm not super into this because this doesn't like Kit and Yorkie don't scream male strippers. Like when you think of the music, like, you know, it's just not the style that I would think of. Um, I don't know what Broadway writing team would, but it just I, it feels weird to me. Um, the one thing that like I said does feel right is Camilla A. Brown uh, doing the choreography. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Camille Brown, but. How did Jerry Mitchell not end up with this project? Uh, you, you, I am zipping my lip. I am not. <laughs> I am not saying a thing. All right. Uh, Mr. Riedel is going to cause a certain <laughs> panel member of This Week on Broadway an aneurysm. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but uh, Michael Riedel has inside info on the West Side Story revival. Yeah, so apparently, James, there was a lab approved in a, 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 by equity, so they were allowed, um, earlier this week for Evo Van Hova and choreographer Anna Teresa de Kiersmacher to work on the show's dancing. Now, de Kiersmacher is a world-renowned ballet choreographer, like modern ballet, like does things that, like, not Swan Lake, um, and she's beloved. So I'm interested to see what she brings to Broadway, but... This is the first time that the Jerome Robbins estate has allowed new choreo in a first-class production of Westside. And DeKiersmacher and, and Van Hova are not being precious about this at all. Riedel said, quote, What they've done, sources say, is strip all trappings of the 1950s from the 1957 musical. A source describes DeKiersmacher's dances as violent, intensely physical, aggressive. The intensity was such that the that the backers who saw it believed the Sharks and the Jets really could kill each other. Casting is underway. Van Hova and Dakiris Macher are conducting a nationwide search for contemporary dancers. No Broadway shtick, please. Now, James, uh, while you are Broadway Radio's Magic Mike expert, Michael Portantier is probably something similar for West Side, but he is a purist, and I can only imagine the rants that he will go on about this choreography? Uh, it's, um, <laughs> I, we've all seen so many really great productions of West Side Story. So, I mean, yeah. let, let's try to find uh, something new about West Side Story is my take on that. Is Absolutely. that wrong? No, I, for me, you are 100% right. I am, this made me super excited. I think, 
I've I've not seen. I've not been up in town for any Evo Van Hova shows, so I haven't really seen anything that he's done. Um, I'm hoping to see Network uh, later this spring. But just the idea of somebody just radically taking these classics that have been around now for 62 years and flipping them on their head, I see nothing wrong with that. I think that's vital. I think that that's the type of thing that needs to happen in in art, not just theater. But it's it's similar to the discussion that a lot of people have about uh, copyright laws, that so much good art is built on some sort of, uh, you know, pre-existing material. And when copyright laws are extended so that they go over a, a century and, and even more, it robs people the opportunity to build art off of that. And I think that finally having the Robbins estate allow new choreography to this show allows people to create new art in advance to form. And I think that that is something that is vital to the survival of theater. And, and I think that this is the type of stuff I have no idea if it's going to be any good, but this is the type of stuff that theater needs to have on a fairly regular basis. And that goes for Daniel Fish's Oklahoma that I have very mixed feelings about. But I think that's the type of thing that especially the commercial theater needs to see on a regular basis. Uh, can you remind me what the time frame is for the Spielberg West Side Story? Um, they are supposedly going to start filming at some point in 2019. Um, how long that takes them to um, to release it, I don't know. I would imagine, uh, I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, probably holidays 2020. Um, but I'm looking it up here, see if I can find it. But um, It's so good. It's so interesting that we're going to have such two high-profile things happen that are seemingly going to be dramatically different seemingly i don't i don't I, know well i mean we already know that um uh tony kushner is rewriting the book so that rita moreno plays valentina instead of doc so i mean we know that it's going to be um you know, somewhat different. Um, the release date for the film is, has yet to be confirmed, but production is expected to begin in 2019. So I was right in having no flipping clue when it was going to be released. All right. So uh, the Tony Award committees uh, got together and they made a second set of eligibility rulings. Yes, they did. We got our second round of rulings yesterday from the Tony Awards Administration Committee. And there were some interesting ones. Most of them were fine, normal Patty Considine and Laura Donnelly are uh, considered uh, eligible for the best performance by an actor and an actress uh, in a leading role categories for the ferryman. I'm going to talk about the lead actress category, but don't count out Laura Donnelly. She was amazing in that show. Um, Mercedes rule, despite being above the title um, is considered featured for torch song, yada, 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 Joan Allen, Michael, Sarah, David Cromer, all considered uh, featured for the Waverly gallery. The first one that, is not necessarily surprising, but is interesting is that Brooks Ashmanskis, Beth Level, and Caitlin Kanunen from the prom are all eligible for lead performer categories. Brooks Ashmanskis, uh, yeah, okay, fine, that's a lead role. Beth Level, yeah, okay, fine, that's a lead role. I'm surprised about Caitlin Kanunen because it's not a showy role as as either Brooks or Beth are, but it is the central part of that show. I'm just surprised that they put both Caitlin and Beth in the same category. So that'll be interesting to see 
if one gets a nomination, if both get a nomination, if neither, if I had to guess at this point, I'd say Beth gets it, but I love that show with all of my heart. So I hope they all get it. Um, also, even though to kill a mockingbird was discussed, there were no rulings made that were contrary to the opening night listings, which means that Celia Keenan Bolger will be considered for the featured actress category in a play, as opposed to the lead actress in a category or lead actress in a play category. That's a little bit surprising to me because to me, that is a lead role. But I'm happy about it because I love Celia and that best actress in a play category is ridiculously stacked, James. Um, And after what they did to her um, with Glass Menagerie, and this has nothing um, against, um, oh, the uh, who won? Sophia Okanedo, uh, Sophie Okanedo, uh, won in 2014 for, um, Raisin in the Sun over, uh, Celia for Glass Menagerie. But like the buildup was so big that everyone just assumed Celia was going to win. And then she didn't, I, I hope she gets it this time, but, but James, can we talk just real quick about that feature or that lead actress in a play category? You're going to have people eligible. Glenda Jackson, Elaine May, Annette Benning, Lori Metcalf, Janet McTeer, Cherry Jones now. Then you're also going to have Laura Donnelly, as I said, maybe Andrea Martin and Carrie Russell as well. Like those like if you put those names in a category and said it was for best actress at the Oscars, that would be believable. Um, So this is a stacked, stacked category this year, and I'm excited to see how it plays out over the next few months. Do you think that category had something to do with uh, Frankie and Johnny not coming in this season? I, I mean, look, Audra McDonald is the most decorated performer in the history of the Tony Awards. I don't think she's A, preoccupied with winning a Tony, or B, <laughs> no, but the competition. No, but uh, the, the no, I'm, I'm saying sure, that sure. They, all, all the other actresses asked them to move the move Marjorie show to, to next year. You know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no might, and, and that, I'm sure that, that to Audrey's not really care. Audrey doesn't care about the awards. I think the producers yeah. probably care about the awards. That's true. I, I it might have played something into it. I'm going to stick with the idea that it has to do with, um. Uh, like uh, uh, theater availability. If yeah. if my if my thought about it replacing Anastasia is true, it would make sense that you would want Anastasia to play through all of the spring break part of the schedule mm-hmm. um, to capitalize on that because you would think that that would yeah. be a really good time for it. So to me, I just think it's a timing thing, and it's Otter McDonald and Michael uh, Michael Shannon, so they can go whenever they want, and they're going to be fine. All right. What do we have in the recommendation section? Okay. I have just one thing that I want to recommend, but it is fantastic. It comes from our friend Ashley Steves, who you'll remember uh, I talked to about cabaret stuff earlier this month. She has a wonderful article about Broadway and about Broadway con for the female centered pop culture website, The Mary Sue. Um, she uses Broadway con as a way to compare and contrast the the diversity and changing demographics in Broadway right now, uh, as opposed to what she saw at the Hilton earlier this month. She said that with Broadway's admittedly horrible record of skewing everything for white men, especially off stage, but on as well, that Broadway con with its diverse mix of genders and colors is what Broadway should look like both on and off stage. Um, I'll let her tell it to you. I'm not going to, you know, 
paraphrase it and butcher it. Uh, but I highly recommend it. Uh, Ashley is one of my favorites. So uh, we should have her on more and, and have her talk about this stuff, James. But it's a really great article. And I love the fact that it's not for a theater or even New York centric publication. It's for a pop culture uh, site, the Mary Sue. And um, I, I, I'm glad that she's bringing really smart theater discussion uh, to other um you know to other parts of the entertainment sphere wow that's great i am gonna read that as soon as we get off so why don't you get us out of here all right thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt and don't forget sunday night rent live fox check your local listings that's right and my name is james marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com we have uh, Jan Simpson in your feed on Saturday morning. We have Natalie Nowak in the afternoon. We have This Week on Broadway on Sunday. Sunday night is Rent Live, and Matt and I will be back and talk with you on Monday morning. So same bad time, same bad channel. Keep it right there. We'll talk to you soon.